This podcast contains spoilers, explicit language, and is not made for anyone under the age of 13. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to John vs. Film, and today we are taking a look at 1996 Kamera 2. Legion Shuai, also known as Gamera 2, Attack of the Legion, or as I like to call it, Advent of Legion, because I think that is a much cooler title than Attack of the Legion. So throughout the rest of this podcast, I'm going to just call it Advent of Legion. Um, this movie is directed by Shusuke Kaneko and Kazunori Ito, just like the previous movie, and the movie coming up next and yeah this, this is another this is the second movie in the gamma trilogy this time we have the monster legion or as you know it's pronounced here legion legion you know again i gotta practice my japanese as much as i can uh but anyway so how things work on john versus film i give you a little synopsis of the movie that i wrote uh sorry wrote wrote up <laughs> and then i talk about five things i like then i go into five things i dislike or have criticisms of and then i wrap it all up with my overall thoughts all right uh without further ado let's uh jump in oh well first of all i want to mention that some cameos uh, that are in this movie are particularly one. And that would be, let me go down the list. I just want to like, you know, emphasize of just how, you know, how much of a fans they are of the tokusatsu genre. And that is, they actually have Akiji Kobayashi, you know, as a cameo and, he is a you know notable actor as he has played a major roles in both Ultraman and Common Rider in the original series of both. In Ultraman he was you know, if you uh watch Ultraman you know him from you know, as being Captain Muramatsu. But for Common Rider fans you would know him as Tobe Tachibana the owner of the racing club, you know, that, uh, the original Kamen Rider, Kamen Rider Ichigo uses, you know, as kind of like, and also Kamen Rider Nigo, you know, it's like, it was the original high, you know, uh, hangout, I guess would be the best way to say it, of, you know, a lot of, you know, Kamen Rider and Kamen Rider allies for the original series. And he also has reappeared a lot in the Kamen Rider series as sort of a mentor figure for later Kamen Riders. Uh, and he is also uh, in two Godzilla movies, particularly Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah and Godzilla vs. Mothra. And so this makes him one of the few actors that has starred in all, you know, I guess the really big four 
tokusatsu genres, or at least what would be considered the big four here in the States, you know, just of Gamera, Godzilla, Ultraman, Kamen Rider, you know, the, that's kind of a notable thing for an actor to appear in all four. And this was like his second to last role before he passed away. And real quick, another appearance. This one is not a cameo, but it's really cool. Is uh, We got Hatsunori Hasegawa as Satake. He was like a, Satake is like kind of a military general, but he, the actor is known for playing Takeshi Yamato, or also known as Mutaman 80, Ultraman 80. You know, so he came to us from a stars. <laughs> he came to us from the stars. Well, anyway, I'm a big Ultraman fan, so I had to point out these Ultraman actors. And, of course, uh, we have, you know, uh, I forgot his name. Hang on. You know, I'm pretty sure he appears in all three movies, but I mentioned him last episode. Ah, shoot. I keep, I'm horrible with names. I'm sorry. And I am like, okay, there we go. Hiroyuki, no, Hiro. Hiroyuki Watanabe, he still plays as like kind of a military officer. You know, uh, we don't really get a name for his character, I believe. But yeah, anyway, sorry for the side track. You know, again, I just had to let my Ultraman fan of me go out, so uh, I should save that for when I talk about Ultraman, <laughs> uh, because I will be doing the Ultraman movies eventually. I am like sort of waiting for when Shin Ultraman is announced for a US release. I am hopeful it is you know, it gets a home release that's not streaming. Uh but anyway, as also I hope by the time this episode comes out, we will know about Shin Ultraman's release. So just as an FYI, I'm recording this way ahead of time before this episode comes out so anything that you know new happens i will probably already know it but i'm obviously just not gonna you know edit in (laughs) to the podcast i like to kind of treat my podcast sort of like a live stream if i if i goof up i goof up it's whatever but anyways I, this is John versus film, and I'm supposed to be talking about a movie right now, and that's Advent of Legion. So anyway, without me getting distracted by Ultraman stuff once again, we are. Here's the synopsis I wrote up. Ready? Here we go. After Gauss was defeated in the last movie, Japan has developed a major insect infancy. <clears throat> wow, that was horrible. One more time. We're gonna start. One more time. Okay, ready? After Gauss was defeated in the last movie, Japan has developed a major insect infestation from space. Wow, I I really had trouble saying infestation. Anyway, Gamera will have to act as the planet's exterminator, but he may need help from humanity in order to do so. Can Gamera save the Earth? Well, I'm pretty sure he does. In fact, I know he does because I watched the movie. And by the way, you should hopefully know by 
now because you know spoilers but yeah anyway i i like to be a little comedic with my synopsis but yeah anyway uh with that out of the way i'm gonna talk about five you know things i like and as kind of a disclaimer you know i just want to point out the things i liked about gamma guardian of the universe they actually do transfer over into gamma 2 but because i think you know not only do the three gamma movies have the same creative teams they it's different than like the show era gamma movies which they had the same creative teams granted but there was like varying quality within the show era gamma movies but with the Gamera, you know, trilogy, it's, you know, this, they're more like the same type of quality, so I feel it will be like kind of redundant if I kept saying the same things about the special effects, the directing, the writing. So I'm trying to, like, make sure I talk about things I like, you know, about the whole trilogy as well as specific to this movie I'm talking about. So there are things that, well, obviously not carry over, but other things like, you know, directing and stuff, you know, and all that, you know, they do carry over. And I do think like the likes I have here, they are very unique to this movie, except for maybe one or two points. But yeah, for just for the record of this trilogy, I'm kind of like my likes for the most part carry over. So, without further ado, let's talk about the first thing I like, and this is the one that definitely carries over to the other two movies, and that is the kaiju design. I did not, you know, say who designed the monsters last time. Let me look it up real quick. I should have had this up, you know, uh, a while ago. I, like, I should have had this you know like done and ready uh i'm trying to find the production the wiki is failing me failing me hard and if that that's a bad sign uh let's try imdb again i should have had this pulled up already Ah, shoot. You know, know, it's my fault. I should have just went and looked up the, you know, designer already. Um, Okay. I think I got it. So, Tomo, yeah, Tomo Hawaguchi, he's the creature creator, according to IMDb. And I just gotta say, I love his designs you know for the kaiju they are very intricate very detailed but they also have a great silhouette you know that makes them easily distinguishable from each other like you can tell gamera and gauss and gamera and legion completely different from each other just by you know silhouettes alone it's a very great design work and i also gotta give props to Shinichi Wakasa, who is the suit maker for the Gamera trilogy. Uh, I am pretty sure. But 
I, I want to double check, but I hope I'm right with it when I say that. No, he's a suit maker of Justice movie. So, okay. I stand corrected, so. And, but I'm hoping Tomo Aguchi is the creature creator. Okay, for the first two movies. Tomo. Alright, so, okay. Sorry about this hiccup. I should have stated this better. But, yeah, anyway, Tomo Haguchi, you know, created the designs for both, you know, this movie and the last movie, but not Gamma 3, and Shinji, you know, Shinichi Wakasa, suit maker for, you know, Gamma 2 only, according to IMDb. IMDb also might be wrong. Wouldn't surprise me. But for the record, Shinichi Wakasa would also also has credits as suit maker for, you know, according to IMDb, some of the Heisei Godzilla movies, the last three Heisei Godzilla movies, uh, the Rebirth of Monster trilogy, uh, most of the Millennium Godzilla movies, with with the exception of GMK, which is very interesting. And, of course, the Ultraman fan in me would be amiss to say, you know, not talk about Ultraman T. Uh, and I believe Ultraman the Ultimate Hero, which, you know, is the most amazing movie ever. ever. But it's not mentioning it here, which is weird. It's not mentioning on IMDb. It says Suitmaker on Ultraman Tiga, but I am like 99% sure he was also Suitmaker for Ultraman the Ultimate Hero or Ultraman Powered. But anyway it's still i really want to say it's really great work you know on both of them not only like the designs are very unique very detailed and just so cool looking and the suit like and the suit makers do a great job translating you know translating those designs onto you know the big screen it's really awesome uh, but anyway, without gushing over that part too much, let's talk about another point, and that is this movie has. Okay, this is gonna be. Uh, okay, I, I'm. Tr I'm sorry. I'm trying to decide which point I want to talk about next. I I think I'm gonna talk about the humor. I really like uh, some of the humor bits. Now, granted, this movie is not a comedy, but it has some. You know. Like humor, like humorous moments, you know, some moments of levity, and they're just kind of funny. Uh, they're not like the modern day Marvel movie quips. No, they're just funny. It's more situational humor. That's what I like about the humor here. Uh, we got, you know, Osaka who is returning from the previous movie, but he has a more minor appearance. Uh but anyway, you know, as kind of like a beer factory security guard, and he in fact, you know, interacts with one of the like smaller legion bugs, you know, the man-sized legion, you know, insects or whatever you they're called. But yeah, the smaller legion, you know, he 
you know, inner, you know, like bumps into one of them. And we also get a funny clip of his, you know, police interview where nobody believes him. And then he's just like, not again. <laughs> like, because <laughs> he, you know, first encountered Gauss in the last movie. So it's kind of just this very comedic thing of why does a sink always keep happening to me? What did I do? Uh, another funny bit was when they were looking up the Gamera website, and I don't think this was how commu- you know computers work or, <laughs> or the internet worked. I mean, it would be funny if that's how it did work. <laughs> so okay, uh, it's obviously this movie came, took you know it was in the nineties. It's not like the internet we have today. So, but they're looking at a website that's you know tracking you know camera and sort of rumors and they men- and that's how we find out about uh how or I should say how the characters in this movie find out about Asagi Kusanagi who also makes a return in this movie I believe she's the only other major character from the first movie that returns for this movie but Anyway, I don't want to talk about the human cast too much. Uh, even though there is a, you know, pretty much a different, you know, human cast. I do want to say it's still really great. They're still human, you know, still feel like humans. You know, I just, uh, I feel like the things I would say that are, you know, about this movie, you know, like about last movie's human cast transfers over to this movie's human cast. Might have to talk about the human cast in the next movie because I feel like it's a bit different. But anyway, I just feel like they have a similar enough quality, even though they're definitely different characters. Still, you know, still similar enough, again, in my opinion, where I don't feel like talking about it again. But anyway, back onto the scene. So anyway, after... um. <clears throat> Let's see. It's Midori. Uh, the thing about IMDb is that it doesn't have the information I'm looking for. <laughs> you know. Ah, shoot. Yeah. Yeah, IMDb is not the most faithful website, as you might have heard from this podcast. Uh, I swear, me looking stuff up on the spot is what really sets apart. But anyway, uh, I'm going to have to Google it. Midori. Yep, okay. I'm making sure I got it right. So we got character Midori and Hanami. She has to leave because of Officer. Let's see, uh, no. Okay. Where is it? Uh, eh. man, like, I'm sorry, guys. I apologize. But, okay. 
It's just the... I gotta rant a little bit. The IMDb doesn't have all the pictures of the actors up, so it's hard for me to really tell who's, you know, who, and I'm already horrible with names, so I should have had this looked up already. Apologies. But anyway, and it really sets off the, you know, mood I was in with the humor. Man, I should really start editing my podcast, but I won't. But anyway, uh, Midori Hanami, who's played by Miki Mizuno, you know, has to leave to, I believe, meet with Colonel Watarase. Yeah, I'm sorry. Watarase. Watarase, who is played by Toshiyuki Nagashima. And, you know, she leaves behind her, I believe, colleague Obitsu, uh, who is a Hokkaido engineer. Which, that, that's a weird... I want to point out, that is weird to put on the credits is NTT... You know, Obitsu. NTT Hokkaido Engineer. Like, why not just leave the name? But anyway, she leaves her colleague, her friend... Like, uh, Obitsu, who is played by Mitsu Fukikoshi behind the website. And that lead, You know, I believe their boss or... You know, I some, you know their senior... Shoot. I should have looked it up, but man, IMDb, not great. And what sucks is that he is like a notable actor in the movie, but I think I got him. Okay. Uh, Nojiri. Nojiri, okay. So Midori leaves Atani with. Nojiri, who's played by Yusuke Kawazu, I'm sorry, Yusuke Kawazu, who you may know from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2 as Professor Omae, and I'm sorry, Nojiri, 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 me, this, I should rename this podcast from John versus Film to John Fails at Pronunciations. <laughs> but anyway, you know, Midori leaves Obitsu with Nojiri. And Nojiri is like, oh, hey, let's take a look at this website. You know, see, you know, what it says, because I think the website's in English and Obitsu can't read English. But. <laughs> Um, Nojiri, he doesn't know how to work in technology, so somehow the website crumples up like a web paper, you know, like a piece of paper, and he's just like, hey, wait, what happened? Was this supposed to happen? And Obitu just is like, just sitting there groaning. Like, uh, you know, like, you know, (laughs) it's just like such a comedic moment, even though I don't think that's how that's not how internet works. But anyway, uh, the last comedic moment has to do with Midori's, you know, parents, specifically her father. Okay, so parents, I believe they run a pharmacy and they're, 
you know, living spaces like right above their pharmacy. I'm pretty sure. Because, you know, that's how we kind of see it. You know, the layout of Midori's home. But anyway, her coworker, you know, Obitsu arrives and the father is just staring Obitsu down. <laughs> and Midori comes like, oh, hey, yep, come on in. And Midori's father starts to follow Obitsu before the mother, like, still talking to a customer, like, not even looking away from the customer whatsoever, just yanks back the father, <laughs> you know, just like, no, no, leave her be. <laughs> I love that comedic moment where he's just, like, very protective. He's about to go and follow but yeah, the you know, Midori's mother is just like not, nah, you know, and, and like she doesn't say anything about it. Again, she's like not looking away from the customer. She's just, you know, like she's still talking, you know, about what the customer should do. She just, you know, like grabs him, you know, like how a mother would just grab, you know, a child without looking, you know, to make sure the child doesn't hurt themselves. I'm talking about like a little child. You know, I, I hope you get what I'm trying to get. But what's great is that this isn't the only time that happens. If it happened once, that's funny enough. But later on, you know, we see, you know, Wadarase is here, you know, and Midori, you know, you know, living space as well. I think they said it was her room, but and they even I think it was Wadarase who mentioned that it's like, hey, is it a little you know, weird, you know, for two guys to be in your room. I'm sure your father's not exactly happy with that. And Midori's like, well, your father can't have, you know, his way all the time. And then we see Midori's father trying to go up the stairs very slowly and stickily before the wife, you know, his wife pops up, you know, and she drags him back from the stairs and he's still holding on to the railing, you know, before he ultimately lets go. It's very funny. Very funny. Uh, next up is, uh, I want to talk about the increase in stakes of this movie. Particularly, like, I will get to Legion in a little bit, but I just want to say Gauss was a big threat on his own, and it put a threat to Japan, but the threat here is at a much bigger stake. While it's still primarily just Japan's, you know, focus, the danger is increased. The uh, the collateral damage is increased. There is more. There's more destruction. There we go. Like the outcome of. I guess the threat is more destructive than one Gauss on its own. I'm saying one Gauss on its own because we know from next movie what happens, but I'm talking about Advent of Legion right now. So. But anyway, you know, we get the increase of stakes by not just, you know, the damage that the new threat causes, but we also get to see Gamera really beaten up in this movie. Uh, like he was beaten up quite a bit in the last movie with Gauss. Like he got some, you know, some 
noticeable cuts and some damage from the military stupidly attacking him. But here he gets his, you know, crap wrecked. Like, uh, there's this fight on this airfield and a helicopter's trying to leave with, you know, with civilians trying to escape the city. You know, and Gamera's trying to stop it. And we see the damage on Gamera is just so major. I mean, there's a part of Gamera's shell that's, like, taken out. And we see, like, the inside of his shell. And Gamera gets beaten up. And right after, Gamera actually takes the pod, you know, straight up. You know, face first. You know, and he's left pretty much lifeless. And the and just to give you a, like uh, an example, this pod, you know, this big flower, it launches its seed up to space. The force of this, you know, the explosion is that of a nuclear bomb, a big atomic bomb. And Gamera took that straight up and that left him pretty much lifeless. And people think that he was dead, you know, and his, you know, he's just covered in like ash and know like burnt scar and tissue it's just like he was really beaten up in this movie and that's like a great way to increase the stakes is to beat up your hero more and this will lead me on to my next point which is legion itself is a very interesting and unique kaiju and i love how we learn more about it as the movie goes on so What's interesting about Legion is that while this is not the first, you know, outer space threat Gamera has ever faced, I mean, look at Giron, Beerus, Zegra. This is the first time we actually get to see Gamera fight an insect monster, an insect monster from space. But what really makes Legion really cool is not necessarily the you know, how it could spawn little legions or the attacks, but just, like, how it mimics, you know, the... Like, they mentioned, like, the symbiotic relationship. Uh, or, like, natural relationship it has with this, you know, flower. Like, yeah, how they tie it into ants, you know, having to feed the mush like, this mushroom, you know, in the wild... You know, and how the mushroom, you know, needs the ants, but at the same time, the ants need the mushroom as the mushroom provides, you know, viable, you know, shelter, whatever. Yeah, it's like the symbiotic relationship, I think. I think that's the right term, symbiotic relationship. You know, and that's what's happening here with, you know, if it was just, you know, the giant bug monster himself, that's. You know, that would be cool on its own. But the fact, you know, it's tied in with this mammoth flower. And I say that deliberately because uh, this flower is actually based on an episode of Ultra Q. Which that, you know, and the flower is called Mammoth Flower. So, you know, it's really cool how they bring their influence from Ultra Q into this movie. And bring that into, but still make it its own by having this symbiotic relationship with Legion. It's very cool. And also the fact we get to see Legion beat the crap out of Gamera 
is like really chilling in a you know a sense because we've seen you know because we want to root for Gamera, but the fact you know Legion has like so many you know different attacks is really cool, and also the fact you know the little legions are kind of a threat to and you know individual humans, and also I love the fact that they like their food source is like uh, glass. You know, they eat silicon, you know, but like man-made silicon. You know, they, you know, specifically go for, you know, glasses, radios, stuff like that. It, it's just a very cool kaiju. Really love it. And the my, for the final thing that I like about this movie is that there is a sense of unity with the people of Japan and, and the military with Gamera in this movie. And I think that it, part of it is that there is like a lot of one-off minor characters and extras in this movie that shows kind of more just like, oh, this isn't just, you know, we're not just following a small group of characters and caring for them. We're seeing Japan. We're seeing everybody getting, you know, impact. And it's not to say that Gamera, the first Gamera movie didn't have extras. It had plenty of extras. But there's like a lot of extras in one space that makes it feel more populated. And when we get to see you know, little moments between, you know, a couple of random soldiers, you know, talking or just a mother and daughter, you know, talking about Gamera's, you know, status or even father and son talk, you know, no, like the mother and daughter talking about Gamera, you know, seeing, looking at Gamera's, you know, lifeless body back in uh, Sendai, I think, I believe it was, you know, with everybody else, you know, with fire pits, you know, where, where people are displaced and all they can do is look up at Gamera and hope that Gamera gets back up. Or the fact, you know, we're in a bathhouse, you know, with people looking on, t you know, watching TV and this kid asks his dad, you know, like, is Gamera going to come to save him? Or, you know, or, like, you know, asks him about Gamera. I don't remember which part of the movie it was, but it's just, you know, again, this great sense of unity. And I love how at the end of the movie, you know, because here's the thing, throughout the movie, there's still this sort of, like, even though Gamera defeated Gauss in the last movie, humanity still has this distrust of Gamera. They're still not sure if they can really trust Gamera because Gamera is still this mystery, you know, monster, you know, giant monster that could ultimately destroy them. So they're still very weary of Gamera, but they end up helping Gamera, like the military. I, I love it. Seeing the military help the giant monster, giant hero, you know, like fight alongside them. It's like, it's one of my favorite things to see in Tokusatsu. I loved it when I got to see a little bit of it in Game of the Monsters. It felt so refreshing to see humanity fighting alongside with nature or the good monster, you know. And I love seeing it in, like, uh, I love seeing the finale of Ultra 7 when we see the Ultra Garrison fighting alongside Ultra 7 for the final battle. 
I love those moments, and we get it here. And I also think it helps that they were able to, you know, Dai was able to rope in the Japanese self-defense force to actually really help out with this movie to not only portray them accurately, but it feels like a lot of, you know, the extras were actual soldiers in the Japanese self-defense force. And I love the fact that at the end, after Legion's defeated, the bunch of sto- you know soldiers are looking up Gamera, and they end up just saluting Gamera. It's it's something very awe-inspiring to see. I absolutely love it. But anyway, those were the five things I like about Gamera 2, Advent of Legion. And let's talk about the things I dislike or have you know criticism on. again i will say you know some of the points are nitpicky but i unlike the last movie where i feel like i had a nostalgic buy you know heavy nostalgic bias that i probably just couldn't get over i don't think i had that much with this because even though i did watch this movie as a kid it wasn't as much i didn't really own this movie until like high school i want to say and even then, I questioned the, uh, you know, the legitimacy of the quality because I did buy it at G Fest, and you know, G Fest is known for some of their bootlegs. But anyway, uh, there, I will say before, real quick, a neat thing is I was actually lucky enough to see this movie in a theater. Like, I actually got to see this movie in a theater back in the early 2000s. Man, that, that feels so long ago. Like, I was a like a little kid, 9, 10 years old, when I got to see this movie. And it was with this movie, it was this movie and Gamera 3, you know, that, you know, I got to see these movies be played in the theater in, like, Syracuse. And I will, you know, and part of the, like the thing is there, the Gamera movies weren't particularly available, or I just didn't know where to get them back in when I was a little kid. So you know, they weren't available. But you know, the the fact you know, I got to see sequels to the Gamera movie that I actually own, and I got to take my friends to go see it with me. It was a really cool experience, and the fact that I. I was lucky enough that the first time I got to experience these movies was in an actual theater. That's fucking amazing. Like, really fucking amazing when you think about it. And by the you know, like, like just how lucky could I have been? You know, I wish I could remember the, you know, experience a bit more. But, yeah, that was, like, so cool to see. But, anyway... With that said, even though I have, you know, this great memory of seeing it in a theater, you know, the fact that I didn't watch it as much as a kid and only, you know, and before I actually even get to own it, I only got a chance to rent it on Netflix back when Netflix used to be a DVD rental website and not just a streaming service, you know. Even, I still feel I was a bit more critical on this movie than I was and. The last movie, but again, I, I did throw in some more like nitpicky funny moments. Uh, I think the first two are definitely the more nitpicky, and 
I'm just putting this as a thing I dislike just for a thing I dislike. You know, but the last three, yeah, I think are legit legit criticisms. Uh, but again, even though they're criticisms, they are ultimately minor criticisms. With that said, the first thing I want to talk about is the English voice acting at the beginning. I I felt it it was a bit out of place, you know. But granted, it was I think it was unintentionally hilarious, just because. The thing is, I don't think I think this movie could have benefited without that English voice acting at the beginning. I think they should have just stuck with, you know, native Japanese voice act, you know. Like native Japanese actors look out, but no, it's supposed to, you know, like represent Houston, NASA, you know, on the satellite. But it's just some of the delivery of these, you know, actors. It was like you could tell they weren't really actors. <laughs> you know, I I know that sounds mean, but just the way their accent, you know, it's just like we gotta get this out to the public. <laughs> it's like you don't really seem too concerned, like. This is supposed to be kind of like the threat of the movies coming to our planet. The tone should be like, oh, what's this? You know, it's, it's kind of like, here's the thing. We got some bit of seriousness, seriousness with the opening of the original movie where that opened up with, you know, the plutonium ships getting hit by gamma's, you know, gamma's atoll or whatever. You know, but here it just, it removes some of the seriousness from the situation by like, Hey, what's that? Man, that's a big object. We gotta warn the public. You know, acting like that is one of those, like, I'm taking out of the seriousness and I'm laughing at how silly these accents sound. Granted, I don't think um, for a lot of native Japanese, you know, speakers, which this movie was, you know, aimed towards a Japanese audience, not, you know, an international audience per se. Now, I it might have been fine for them, but for me as a native English speaker, I I can't help but laugh at, at it, you know. Uh, but anyway, it's a very minor point, and I do, even though I think ultimately it would have benefited the movie more if it was that part was just you know reworked or cut out. Even I think it was still very entertaining. Uh, next point is that I mentioned Osaka, you know, he was the inspector in the last movie, and he was, you know, a beer factory security guard here. Uh, I just want to say the thing I disliked is that he only has a minor appearance in this movie. Just that one moment of him, you know, those two scenes, I should say, one where he, you know, encounters the Legion bug, and then with the interview, that's it with receiving him, and it's like, yo... Kaneko-san, you're cutting out the best character in the trilogy. What's the matter with you? <laughs> Joking aside, it's, I still was like, oh man, I wish we could see more of Osaka. I love... Sorry, had a little hiccup there. I, I love seeing Osaka in these movies. I love seeing the actor who portrays Osaka. He's very entertaining. But I, I can understand why he's also not in the movie. It's still... It's a minor gripe. With that said, here's uh, three more. Like, we're on to the final three things I 
I have some criticisms of, and I'm actually going to say these are more legitimate criticisms. First off, so there's this, uh, you know, moment where they actually give Legion his name, or as they say, Legion, you know, by quoting a verse from the Bible. Uh, I forgot what's for it. I'm not, I'm not religious whatsoever. Um, but anyway, one of the soldiers is talking to, you know, Colonel, uh, Colonel Wadarase, you know, and he mentions the bur, you know, like the verse. Uh, I'm going to try to read it, find it. Uh, it's like Mark 5, 120, or no, Mark 5, uh, 9, or what? I don't know. I don't read Bible, but anyway, the quote is my name is legion for we are many you know but anyway they throw in that you know quote from the bible to give legion his name because there are many legion you know many of the bugs and they kind of you know and then there's this big bug and all that you know they act as kind of one hive unit so i get why he's called legion but i think the christian christianity symbolism it felt slapped on, you know, just to give Legion his name, and it was not set up well within the movie. Like, take the last movie, for example, with Gauss and Gamera. We actually get an ex in movie explanation for where they got their names because with Gamera, when he's in that island atoll shape, there's this little, you know, there comes this, you know, tap, you know, metal tablet with some markings on it and it actually gets translated to say you know the last hope gamma gauss the shadow of evil and we find those names before we you know names out pretty early on in the movie and then it's only later on in the movie are they called gamma and gauss respectively here there's there's like no you know I'm not even saying the movie should have like have been used with heavy Christian symbol, you know, symbolism. Uh, but I think it should have been set up a bit more because we never got a sense that like, oh, you know, maybe that soldier was Christian. Maybe he, you know, it's like, you know, uh, or maybe they should have pulled more from the Bible, you know, to kind of like tell end of time story or whatever i think you know i'm just saying i think they could have done more with it than just slap it on the movie you know in the movie just kind of give legion his name you know and that it's kind of uh i'm going to point to evangelion for a second because the thing is there is a lot of christian symbolism even though they've stated that there's no real 
deep meaning, you know, like Christian meaning to it, you know, like religious meaning to it because they thought the Christian, they, the creators of Evangelion, they're like the Christianity symbolism. They just felt it was cool. Even with that mindset, they still put, you know, the meanings into their works, you know, and they take full advantage of the Christian symbolism, you know, symbolism. They don't just use it for the enemies, the angels. It's ingrained with a lot of the anime itself with the name Evangelion, you know, with, you know, the first, you know, Angel Adam and Lilith, the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, there's a lot of Christianity, you know, a lot of, you know, Christianity mythology in the show. But in this movie, they kind of just put that mythology and slap into one part of the movie and just be like, yep, just to give Legion his name, and it was not set up properly. You know, it's not it's not like an over-glaring flaw, but I do think that it was a missed opportunity to go more into this, you know, the Christianity myth, you know, mythology or symbolism instead of just, or at the very least, build it up so it doesn't feel like it comes, you know, the one soldier quoting the Bible comes from nowhere. Uh, second to last point of the dislikes is that I, the special effects are great. In fact, I would even argue they are an improvement of the last movie. With that said, the, one of the battles takes place in Hokkaido, and I think they, there was a missed opportunity with the movie to actually do like a snow battle. I because the movie takes place during winter and Hokkaido is covered in snow and we see snow throughout a lot of the movie. I think they could have done more with the snow and I think it's just it's a shame we didn't get, you know, more use of this winter setting in this movie. You know, granted there's still, you know, snow on the ground, but I think they could have done more with this winter setting for the special effects. Maybe had you know, emulate some snowing. That would have been a cool fight to see. You know, Gamera, like, see that fight while it's snowing? Not blizzard snowing, but yeah, just seeing, like, you know, dust of, you know, specks of snow coming, you know, blowing from the roofs or just snow blowing through the air to get this cold feeling. They could have done more with the setting. That's my only gripe with the special effects. I mean, other than that, it's, again, fantastic, brilliant, better than the last movie. But I think they could have done just a bit, you know, gone just a bit further with the winter setting. And then for the last point, I think the plot overall is a bit too focused on Legion and what Legion's up to. And not so much on what Gamera's doing or what happens to Gamera. And that becomes, you know, a bit... Like, I feel like Gamera gets pretty ignored a lot in the first act of the movie until Gamera... Like, for the most part, he is mentioned here and there in the movie, but it's only after Gamma appears and fights Legion that, you know, he gets to be more involved. With the plot. You know, and it's not to say there isn't any focus on Gamma. I mean, it's nowhere near as bad as, like, Gamma versus Barugan, where it was Barugan's movie featuring Gamma. No, Gamma still has a. You know, it is pretty featured, you know, like, importantly in this movie. 
and has moments of his own with that, you know, and there's still like a lot of talk about Gamera. It's not like Gamera's being completely ignored, but I think there's some aspects where I think Gamera could have had a bit more focused, you know, on in the plot. Especially since, you know, how Gamera gets revived, it's not explained well in this movie. Granted, they do fix that in the next movie, but I'm talking specifically in this movie, you know, how Gamera gets revived or Gamera gets that, you know, boost from the Earth. It's not fully just, you know, explained. But I, I, it's kind of a double-edged sword because it's, again, some of the ambiguity. I actually don't mind, you know, some ambiguity, you know, about how Gamera's doing. I mean, just this unknown being, but I don't think it's it's I think it wouldn't have been a problem if there was just a slightly bit more focus on Gamera in this movie like and even focus on Gamera and Legion in this movie because again I think a lot of the characters are mostly focused on Legion but anyway those are my thought you know the things I like and dislike so we're gonna go over to my overall thoughts and yeah overall this is, I, I will be honest, this is probably my least favorite movie in the trilogy. However, it is far from being a bad movie. In fact, I still think it is a fantastic film that carries over the strengths from the first one. And I can even understand why some say this is their favorite movie in the trilogy. I, like, I do not blame them. They are very much valid in thinking that this is, you know, their favorite, you know, or they think it's the best movie in the trilogy. Uh, I do think the movie could have gone a bit further with some of the things that it presents and could have focused on Gamera a bit more as well. But it's still an overall great entry into this spectacular trilogy of movies. And yeah, that that's about it for this review of Gamera 2 Advent of Legion. Next week, we'll be finishing off the Gamera trilogy with The Revenge of Iris. Make sure to stay tuned for that. And anyway, if you made it this far, I also want to mention that this podcast is available on, you know, a lot of popular podcast hope, you know, hosting sites. I should probably make a list for me to read, but it's on the big main main ones like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, and it's also primary host is podbean.com and if you are listening to this on youtube make sure to subscribe press the like button press the bell button leave a dislike if you don't like this you know video uh but i would really appreciate a comment tell me what i'm doing right and what i'm doing wrong but anyway that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening I hope you have an amazing day. Take care.